because it felt like we were really running over them. But, you know, once again, we had a couple of little errors here and there that allowed the game to stay close. On a Sunday afternoon in Columbia, South Carolina, the Dogs and the Gamecocks teed it up for a pivotal SEC East showdown. Well, pivotal is debatable. Debate. I said the word debate. Let's just say it was an important game for Georgia to show up and impose its will over a lesser talented team. There, that's better. One that has given dogs fits in the past, especially at Williams-Brice Stadium. (laughs) Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 58 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. On today's UGA South Carolina postgame show, you will hear Will and Tony provide their insight on the dominance of Georgia's running attack, the lack of any passing whatsoever, and the little nuances from clock management to plays that should have been reviewed, which weren't, that kept this game much closer than it felt or than it even should have been. But all in all, if you're a Georgia fan like us, you're not really complaining about a 28-14 victory for the Dogs over Will Muschamp's South Carolina Gamecocks. So here's Will and Tony to get this episode started. All right, so uh, 28-14, just me and Tony here because uh, Scott's out drinking. <laughs> and, I, and I am about to watch the debate, which will surely inspire the same thing. 28-14, I have to say the game didn't seem that close to me. No, it, it actually was surprising to me. I didn't actually get to watch the first much of the first half because I was I had some connectivity issues where I was. But once I watched, I was a little surprised. But never it was never one of those games where it felt like it was out of hand. Even even when South Carolina made it fourteen seven, it felt like okay everything's going to have to really fall apart for for this to go wrong because they did. You know, to me the two most encouraging things we can get into what was discouraging. Uh, to the two most encouraging things, one is the offensive line, which we've been banging on uh, all year. And again, this is South Carolina, but this has not been really a bad defense this year. The offensive line looked fantastic. Yeah, the offensive line did a really good job. Uh, we can talk about the passing issues for a second, but yeah. that wasn't the offensive line's problem. Yeah. Uh, they did a good job of protecting Easton. They opened up a lot of holes. You know, Once again, though, we went into the jumbo package. It's pretty clear if we're not trying to create some mismatches somewhere here and there, we have a hard time blocking because once we put 8-on-8 eight eight or 9-on-9 nine nine or however you want to do it, we still can't move people off the ball. That's the bad news. The good news is, is that we go back to a little different you know, zone blocking look uh, we're running flex plays or some misdirection. They actually do really well. Yeah, they had no problem, <laughs> and like, and it was funny. And the second thing, uh, in fact, we'll, we'll get to the second thing that I thought worked well as well. We should, while we're talking offense, talk about Eason. Now, apparently, it was a very windy day. It was a very windy day there, so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But even from the get go, I don't know if you didn't see the first half, like the first two passes were not just off; they were like ten yards over the receiver's head. Off. He seemed like a little. I don't know if it was being out of the routine or having the game being on Sunday, but he really seemed off, kind of the whole way. Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to Eric's Zaire. I was able to pick up the audio, and um, it was pretty uh, – I mean, Zaire was trying to alibi for him a little bit. It was pretty obvious that, that Eason was not uh, at all on. So, you know, that's – I mean, sometimes you'll have those games, but I, I think we have to be a, a touch concerned that he – either one is is not – still not handling picking up, you know, a couple of look, different looks – or something in practice isn't going the way it needs to go to help him develop beyond, you know, uh, pretty basic throws. Yeah, and deep throws. I mean, obviously he's got the arm strength, but yeah, there were, and it was, it wasn't even didn't seem to really be an issue with decision making. Like it really felt like he was just missing wide open guys seven or eight yards away. 
by a lot, <laughs> like just by a ton, and to the point where against a better team. And listen, South Carolina's got a good defense. I think people that we've been, everyone's been hammering South Carolina this year, but their defense has not been bad. And I didn't think that he didn't cause too many problems enough to where it really cost them. But against a good team, and you know, it's up for debate how many good teams there are in fact left on the Georgia schedule. Yeah, but uh, right. against a good team, you can see how that uh, would be a problem. But to me, the, the, another issue that we've only had with this Georgia team all year was an issue that worked out very well today. The special teams was huge this game. Like to me, that the punt, the, the 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 punt coverage, the. You know, this was a this listen. This game was always going to be a slog. Everyone was kind of off. The crowd wasn't really into it. It was on Sunday. It was confusing. The whole thing was just a little strange. It was, and this would seem to be the type of game where one or two special team mistakes would cause you big problems. And I'd say that Georgia controlled the yardage. They controlled the field position. They controlled that throughout. And it really kept putting the offense, which even with, with the way it was working well in offense, was having tr- on with the running, was having trouble throwing the ball. It really kept them in good positions all day. The special teams really kind of bailed them out on kind of an ugly day. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to know is it felt like we had the, we won the f- field position battle all day. And, and a lot of that did have to do with our special teams. The other part of it is it, we were able to um, Stay out of situations, I guess. I mean, what Bill Conley would say, you know, passing down, standard downs. We were able to stay out of, of, of third and long uh, much of the day with the run game. Talking about the offense, there were a couple times where we just got – it really confused me. It was like, okay, we want to try to throw now because we haven't thrown in a while. And I get you still want to be able to put, in a, put your team in a situation where uh, you give Easton some opportunities to succeed. But there comes a point where you, you, you don't really try that until the game's out of hand and you know, 14, even 21-7, it didn't feel out of hand. Even though it didn't feel like we were going to lose the game, it still didn't feel out of hand just because we, you know, we were, we really were one stop on first down away from being uh, behind eight ball. But I tell you what, they, I was impressed with with a couple of the punt coverages, uh, particularly the one that South Carolina let go. And we we down inside the the five. Um, there was very good recognition by our deep man there that the ball was going to uh, instead of checkup was going to bounce further. I, and I think they kind of got caught expecting the ball to stop at 35 yards because that's what they're used to. And then you, you know, so the next punt, South Carolina receiver came up and caught the ball instead of letting it bounce, yeah. um, and that probably did save them another 10 or 15 yards. There's a lot of stuff, not not just with East, and I think some of the play calling was a little. Uh, it was listen. It's a game that you just want to survive. Like this was a weird game. Everyone was a little bit off. It was obvious from the get go that Georgia was the better team, and they were really going to be able to run all day if they really wanted to. So certainly, you can be discouraged that they didn't blow them away the way that, in say, in a couple of years, you'd like to see a Georgia team blow a team like this away. On the other hand, it's just a weird environment. It was a strange environment. It was, the weather was strange. Uh, it, it was it was clear and it was nice. It was very windy, and the crowd. Was, everyone was off their schedule, and everyone was. It really you, they weren't sure forty eight hours beforehand whether they were going to play or, or when they were going to play. To me, right. I want to cut them a little bit of slack for kind of the ugliness of this game, just because it's 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 a it would be it would just a kind of as an odd game across the board. Yeah, it's also Georgia South Carolina. We talked about this week that that's going to be a uh, always is a weird game. It, it in a lot of ways last year was the outlier in that you know we we beat them. I think they beat us by you know thirty five seven, maybe five, four years ago, two years or four years ago. I don't remember when it was. Maybe it was just two years ago. It seemed like a lot longer ago. But you know, think about it. This the game last year. Think how this is just how weird it gets. Grayson Lambert went twenty four twenty five last year. 
Uh, and you know, I, I think any South Carolina fan, even though they had this this wacky year, this year that was bad even for them, I think they would just simply you know shrug and say, eh, Georgia, South Carolina." Exactly, and and I guess there's a little bit of worry that there's a short week now, which is which is something they don't have the other time this year, which is probably means it's a good time to be playing Vanderbilt. <laughs> Vanderbilt really uh, got really looked bad against Kentucky. Like it just feels like with everything that went on and all the weirdness of this game, you just got to feel okay that nothing too terrible happened. Nobody got hurt. Chubb looked like he was Chubb again, and he's back, and he looked like we're gonna be able to run that that offense. To me, uh, running the ball. It's something that, that they've shown now. That's what we expected this team to look like all year running the ball. Yeah, if you heard the comments at halftime, Kirby made a point of talking about, you know, want to be physical and that sort of thing. And, you know, and speaking of Kirby, I guess at some point we need to talk about some coaching decisions. Mm-hmm. Go um, ahead. It go, now's the time. I tell you, I turned on just in time to see the last 45 seconds of the, of the half. I guess right after we recovered the fumble and – yeah, I'm willing to cut Kirby some slack as a first-year head coach. But I'll tell you what, you've got to be aware of how much time's on the clock and know what you want to do inside. I mean, it wasn't like he had one timeout left and he was trying to decide whether or not we should you know, clock the ball or, or call the time. He had three. He, what, he had two left, right? So, I mean, you, I think – and I think it's probably one of the things they'll sit down and talk about in the coaches meeting. It's like, okay, we get in that situation. Somebody's got to help me be a little more aware of what's going on. And the second is – there in the second half on that drive where South Carolina you know, came up big on third down or yeah third down was third uh, second along and threw a long pass over the middle it looked like we had intercepted it and the the tight end wrestled the ball away you know I, I wasn't able to go back and look at the play more than once um, but either that was an interception or it was an incomplete pass yeah. because the guy he he pulled it out of Moje's arms as they went down but he never had to control the ball either so you I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular day for the officiating, and once again, it felt like that uh, a team got the benefit of a, a big conversion that may or probably may not have been a a, a pass completion that really really made the difference because you know if, if they go in in fourth and fourth and seventeen that takes a lot of their plays off the the table, whereas you know fourth and three um, they were just able to get right out there and get after it. And the other big thing that happened this week is Tennessee did lose. Tennessee yep. did lose. Yep. Uh, the, mag- the magic game. ended. The magic yes. ended. The magic ended, though not without a fight, <laughs> to be <laughs> sure. Uh, the the it certainly looked for a while there that everything that their little clover, their their um, overalled clover was going to uh, to pull through for them. So uh, if we are still going down this road, Tennessee loses Alabama. Who knows? Maybe maybe there, there, there's still a little bit of hope there. But on the whole, this <laughs> felt. There's still, still a little matter. There's still a little matter of uh, Florida LSU. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah, yes, yes, another problem. All sorts of issues, but more to the point, as I said, I've mentioned a couple times, this just feels like a survival game. Nothing terrible went wrong. Nobody got hurt. Uh, it's just an odd blip in history to play this on a Sunday and have it all be strange. They came out with a win, and they came out kind of maybe having to re- rediscover their run game a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the best way to look at it. I mean, you, you would have liked to have gone in and made it – You'd like to be 28-14 without the dramatics. Um, even I think most people would have been happy with that. But you know, at some point, you just you do chalk this up as a win. It's, again, it's another road win where you, um, you maybe you took some some pretty tough licks from opponents, especially second half licks. And there's a lot of stuff to learn from both coaching staff and and the team. So I'll take that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I mean, I guess I probably would at this point. I would probably take like five more, six more of them. Yeah, that sounds good to me. That, that may be what we're going to be taking. So <laughs> that may end up being the decision. So uh, all right, well, uh, good show. You're in Indianapolis, right? You're you're in God's country in the Midwest. <laughs> we are, uh, and we are on the way back. I, I do appreciate the couple of indie folks that that you know, said, "Hey, if you can't get the game on, come and come and hang out with us." We were able finally to get it on, uh, and we're driving the whole ten hours back. Actually, my daughter has a softball game tomorrow night in Watkinsville, so. Uh, wow. We're striking out, striking out early. We're doing the the five state in one day, or how many states it is. Um, uh, we, I guess, we could do five states if we go to go through Cincinnati, but I think we're going to go through Nashville. So, then you need to go to sleep right now, and you will give yourself <laughs> the favor of not watching the presidential debate that's coming up. Because good heavens, yikes! I did, there's going to be some, I think there's some pretty hot takes. I think, I think, yeah. I think it'll it'll do without me watching it. I will be hiding that from under. I'll be watching that from hiding underneath a desk. I assure you. <laughs> um, all right, uh, we'll be back. Uh, I will not be. I'm traveling this week, so I won't be able to join you guys on the show this week. But uh, we'll be out there for uh, for Vanderbilt uh, next week. Sounds good. Will go uh, dogs. Go dogs. See you. Thanks for listening. Make sure to go check our college football pick'em contest to see where you stand and to go ahead and get your picks in for this week's games. Check us out on Twitter if you'd like. The show can be found at WSLS Podcast. Tony Waller's handle is the ever-so-popular at Tyler Dogden. That's D-A-W-G-D-E-N. Even I can't get it right. Will Leach can be tracked down at William F. Leach. And as for myself, you can search Jawavi Films. That's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. I've mentioned in the past how we appreciate your feedback, especially on iTunes. This week, we received another review that I'd like to share. It comes from a podcast listener from Chicago. He says, quote, Love the show. As a UGA grad now living in Chicago, it's hard to have the ability to always watch, discuss, and process the week-by-week that is a Georgia football season. The insight and banter here is just what I want it to be and what existed for me during my time in Athens. While I still have friends I text on a regular basis about the games and their outcomes, and that it's not unusual to find me accidentally whacking a ceiling fan in some dive bar out of excitement that is willing to put on the game for me, I usually come back to this podcast every week to get the rest of my fix. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Oh, and he had one side note. I'm curious, what's the preferred bourbon consumed while recording? Well, thanks for your comment. You didn't leave a name, so I'll just say thanks for your comment, listener in Chicago. As for the preferred bourbon, it's typically whatever we have at our disposal, but usually holds steady between something like a Buffalo Trace and Maker's Mark. And go easy on those ceiling fans, all right? That's it for today. Listen out for our Vandy preview this coming Thursday. Um, have a great week. Go dogs, and we will see you on campus.